Don't look back in anger. Anybody know who uh, did that? Oasis. Oasis, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Bing, 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 you win. <laughs> we're in this uh, series uh, emoji, and we're talking about our emotions. You know, you were created by God. You're one of a kind. You have unique talents and temperament. And we all have our own emotional makeup. And um, in other words, our emotions are very, very complex. And I think at times we all struggle with our emotions. And if it's difficult for you to process your emotions, friends, it is significantly more difficult for those around you to understand sometimes what you're going through. Today's emotion, anger. We live in an angry culture, don't we? In fact, how many of you know someone who's just a little bit angry? Let me see hands. Come on, keep them up for a second. Just look around. Yeah. If, if you don't, it probably means you're not on social media, you're not following any news feeds, it probably means that uh, you're not watching TV, you don't have a job, you don't leave your home, nobody lives in your home. I mean, if you're honest, and the fact is, if you cannot think of anyone, it probably means you're not talking or connecting to anyone. And I know, I'm, I'm just saying, that's, that's the way I see it. We live in an angry time. Now here's a tougher question, do not raise your hand. Are any of you dealing with just a little bit of anger? And today, what I wanna do is look at how Jesus handled anger. And I know we usually think about Jesus being loving and merciful and compassionate, full of grace. But, but the fact is, it, and it might surprise some of you, Jesus got angry. You know, which raises the question, is it okay to get angry? Now, full disclosure before we jump in today, there is a good chance that I'm going to make some of you mad today. I've weighed the risks, I've considered the challenge, and so let's talk about anger a little bit. You know, more than likely, you're going to hear this through your own filter, and if I can be politically incorrect for a moment, you're very likely to hear it through a political filter. Now, sadly, many of the issues in our world today, in our communities, in our schools, our businesses, economics, health, even uh, in the church, uh, they've become very politicized. And so as we're talking about anger, just know this, I have no agenda, okay? And if it feels like I do as we're talking, it may be because of the filter that you're listening and processing through. And so I just ask you to kind of bear that in mind as, as we proceed this morning. When it, when it comes to anger, I believe many Christians wonder, is it a sin to be angry? Well, the simple answer is no. It is not a sin to be angry, but anger 
can rapidly become unproductive, destructive. Anger can lead you to sin very fast. I, I think most of us would agree that much of the anger in our world has resulted in a lot of sin. The Apostle Paul, he, he's going to address this issue of anger. He writes this, he goes, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. And I just want to real rapidly kind of break that down for us. In your anger, do not sin. In other words, Paul says it's okay to be angry, but don't let it lead you to say or, or do anything crazy, to, to say or do anything that's inappropriate or ungodly. He says, in your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, don't harbor the bitterness in your soul. Don't let the anger simmer and stew inside of you. The fact is, you know anybody that's stewing? No pointing, but do you know anybody? <laughs> Unresolved anger, his point is, it grows in us. And he goes on, he says, and do not give the devil a foothold. And in that foothold, that word in the Greek, it means a place, you know, a room, so to speak. If you're trying to keep your house safe, for instance, you don't leave the door open, do you? Not even a crack, because it would be very easy for someone to enter the house at that point. Harboring anger has that same effect as leaving a crack in the door so that the evil one can put his foot in, so to speak, get into your heart, and gain access to the entire house or to your entire being. I believe too many marriages and relationships uh, struggle on this because they allow anger to settle in. They don't deal with it. And they leave that foothold. And the, the fact is, before you know it, your anger will drive you to sin in life. You know, you, you can hurt yourself, you can hurt people you love, you can compromise your witness, and you can cause unbelievable damage to the people and things around you. So, so how, do you, how do you handle anger? You know, there's a story in the Gospels, it's in the book of Matthew, it tells about a time when Jesus got angry, uh, he was in Jerusalem, this is right before Passover, and Passover just was a huge Jewish uh, religious celebration. And so Jews from all over the Roman Empire, they had traveled to Jerusalem. And we know from uh, Josephus, the historian, that the city of Jerusalem would swell during this time. It would go from about 40,000 people at Passover, 250,000 people are in the city, quarter of a million people. To further give you some context, Jesus knew that he was gonna die in just a few days. And Jesus understood what was coming. And so I'm, I'm pretty sure that his spirit was heavy. He may have been a little bit uptight at this point. And so Jesus, the Son of God who's never sinned, walks into the temple in Jerusalem, and what he saw broke his heart and made him angry. 
See, he saw greed in the temple and hypocrisy and abuse. And he saw that the, the misuse of his father's house. And so Jesus did something that seems way out of character for him. He responds in anger, and I might say it's righteous anger here. He, he was right in being angry. It says, then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Jesus is turning over tables and chairs. Can you picture that? Then, then he quotes the prophet Isaiah. He says, my house should be called a house of prayer. And then he accuses these vendors of making God's house a den of thieves. The very next verse, Matthew writes, he says, the blind and those who could not walk came to Jesus in the house of God and he healed them. That is an abrupt transition, isn't it? It's almost like Jesus is turning over tables and, and chairs and he's healing people at the same time. And sometimes when, when I read this story, I just think, I wish Jesus hadn't turned over tables. Because many times, turning over tables, not a good thing, is it? In fact, some of you have turned over a few tables, so to speak, in, in your life. You've, you've vented that way. And the fact is, it's a tough place to be. It's a tough place to be. You ever turned over a table? Don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. You know, the fact is, uh, I, I remember uh, years ago, um, my, girls, my girls were young at the time. Uh, it was when we were first, first in ministry as a family, and uh, I was pastoring three churches. And so I would speak at all three of them on a Sunday morning. We were traveling, and uh, the second church that I, I was to speak at, I dropped the, the girls off as I was heading to, to that. They, I dropped them at the third church, okay? I was heading to the second church to speak so that they could go to Sunday school while, while I was preaching. And so I had a daughter that had no filter, okay? And from time to time, she would misstate things and so I got back to the third church. I'm going to preach, the one where the girls went to Sunday school. And I step up to, to speak, and people are laughing. I can hear it, you know, just kind of traveling. And, and so finally, I just go, okay, what's, what's up? And uh, one, of, one of the guys finally kind of hesitant, but he, he stood up. He goes, um, your daughter said you were throwing furniture last night. I'm like, oh boy, I didn't even have to know which daughter, I already knew. <laughs> and uh, so I turned to her live, right in the middle of service, and uh, I go, Alicia, I said, you said dad was turning over furniture, what do you mean by that? She goes, well, 
you, you were really upset because someone had died and, and you couldn't sleep. And she said, I could hear you moving furniture all night. And when I woke up, the living room was all rearranged. So I know that's a weird thing to do when you can't sleep, but it was like, okay, I need some physical exercise. So I just rearranged the living room. But my point, perspective here, vocabulary is very defining. And I didn't want people to think I was throwing furniture around. So Matthew is giving this account, and it wasn't like he was saying, you know, Jesus turned over tables for the third time this week. You should have seen him. It was really cool. No, that, that's not what he's saying. The fact is Jesus wasn't characterized by his anger. In fact, just the opposite, he was known for love. And that's the point that he's making in this story. And so my goal is not to inspire you to go turn over tables when you're angry, but to manage it in a way that it doesn't discredit your witness, doesn't hurt your relationships, and doesn't dishonor God. So, so how do you do that? You know, if you don't want to look back in anger in your life, can I suggest that you step up and step outside yourself and follow the example that Jesus is going to give us. You know, first of all, Jesus' anger isn't about something that was done to him. He was angry because there were people being taken advantage of. They were being mistreated. And so Jesus turns over the tables of the money changers and you go, well, what's that all about? Well, money changers would take Roman currency and they would exchange it into Jewish currency. Roman currency could not be given as an offering in the temple. And so this was something that, that was required. It had to happen. It's like when you travel internationally. You, you exchange U.S. dollars for currency of the country you're going to, right? And there's a fee for that service that, that's generally considered uh, to be fair. So people were exchanging money in order that they could give an offering to God, and the money changers were charging outrageous fees. And then the vendors who were selling sacrifices of, of doves, they followed suit. They said, well, they're making a lot of money. Let's make a lot of money too. And it got to the point that many people could not afford the exchange fee. You know, it was, it was so astronomical that they couldn't bring an offering. They couldn't purchase a, a sacrifice. And that is what Jesus is upset about here. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think Jesus was ever betrayed? Well, yes, we know he was, right? I mean, do you think Jesus was ever criticized? Absolutely. Unjustly persecuted in his life. Well, sure. It, was he ever hated? I mean, numerous times. He never got angry one time. Jesus didn't get angry when, when someone disagreed with him, didn't like him. Jesus did not get angry when, when uh, other, other things were happening to him. He got angry when other people were getting hurt. 
In fact, let's just do a little uh, anger audit here. And I know it's really easy in a message like this. Some of you are already there. You go, oh, so-and-so needs to hear this. Don't do that. Keep the spotlight on you. What makes you angry these days? Think about that area where you're convinced you're right. You may be, you may not, but you think you're right. Who is the they that's on the outside? Who's the they that you think is wrong? They, They may be a particular group of people. They may be someone, if you're honest, you feel a little hatred toward. And I want to be really clear here. You know, when someone hurts you, maybe lies about you, mistreats you, gossips about you, betrays you, it is natural to be upset. In fact, the natural response, emotion, is anger. But the good news is, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we are not bound by the natural world. We are called by God to the supernatural. You know, Jesus said this, he says, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Wow. We're not called to get revenge. We're not called to hate. We're not called to curse them. We're called to bless them, to pray for them, and forgive them. Friends, I, I get it. I get it when someone takes a shot at you. You know, when someone hurts me, I want to fight. I want to stand up. I want to be heard. And I feel justified. I mean, in that anger. How do you forgive someone that hurts you? Well, Scripture says that we forgive because Christ has forgiven us. And I I don't know about you, but friends, it is overwhelming to me how much I've been forgiven in my life. So if I find myself angry, and I do sometimes, you know, because of something someone did or didn't do, you know, something someone said or didn't say. As a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm called to let it go. I'm called to ask God to kind of heal my heart and work there. I've got to allow the Holy Spirit to, to work so that I can get to a place where I can let it go and I can forgive. And when I look at the life of Jesus Christ, he wasn't angry about what people did to him or said about him. He was angry at a group of people that had hurt other people. He he wasn't mad at conservatives or liberals, no. 
He was upset at people that were being taken advantage of, mistreated and hurt, people that were dishonoring God's house. That's what got Jesus riled up. That's why he was angry. And here's the second thing I notice in this story. Jesus doesn't flip people. He flipped tables. You know, he, he didn't flip people off. He flipped some furniture. He didn't punch anybody or curse anybody out. No, he didn't do any of those things. No, Jesus turns the tables. He disrupts the, the system, the unjust part of it. Again, flip tables, not people. I know some of you are going, so does that mean I can flip tables? Maybe, I don't know. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, be very, very careful. We are to be led by God's Holy Spirit, not the flesh. We, we need to be wise. We need to be very, very careful when we move forward. Because those things that, that we feel really strongly about can be used very easily to justify our perspective, kind of give us a, a righteous kind of posture in our life. Let me just say this. Just because you feel strongly about something doesn't mean you're right. And even if you are right, it does not mean that you have the right to respond in anger. Too many people in an effort to be right have forgotten to be loving. You know, the Apostle Paul, he said this, he says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and being right. <laughs> faith, hope, and what? The greatest of these is love, Paul writes. Christ followers, our objective, our goal in life is not to prove to everybody we're right. It's just not. Our goal is to always be loving and pointing people to Jesus Christ and to God. You know, Jesus flips tables, doesn't flip people. And so how do you, how do you get your, your anger in check? Well, here's a good place to start. Quit taking things personally. You know, if, if we're going to get a handle on our anger, then it should be when, when we do have the anger, it's because we see other people and we, we're stepping in to try and help them. You know, we're not going to flip tables. We're not going to flip people. We're going to help turn the tables on the behalf of those that are disadvantaged, that are hurting, that are, that are struggling in life. 
And here's the third thing that stands out in this story is when Jesus got angry, he healed people. He healed those that were hurting. I mean, think about what happened in this story. You know, who, who couldn't get in to the temple to worship? Again, it, it was the poor, the marginalized, the blind, the sick, those that were struggling, those that didn't have the resources to even exchange their money so that they could give an offering and get entrance into the temple. They, they couldn't afford the outrageous cost of a sacrifice. You know, those who were being kept from entering the temple to, to worship, and Jesus helped those that were being excluded. And he, it wasn't just a table-flipping moment. It was a people-loving moment because he was making way for them. He was making way for, for the, the, what needed to, needed to take place so that they could have access to the temple. And then Jesus starts healing people. I mean, can you imagine what that was like? I mean, we go from this chaotic scene to Jesus healing. Friends, what do you do when you're angry? What do you do? I mean, do, do, do you love? Do you bring healing to people around you? And, and just, just for fun, I thought, I thought it'd be fun to just pretend like this story just happened. You know, Jesus just cleared out the, the temple. Can, can you imagine what would happen today? You know, Jesus has exposed the corruption uh, of the money changers in the temple. If that happened today, what, what would that look like? Well, first of all, it'd be breaking news. CNN, Fox, you know, it, it'd be on all your social media feeds. You'd be looking and go, whoa, you know. It'd be like hashtag temple tables turned, you know, something, something like that. And those evil, awful money changers, well, people would be posting things might even follow them around, disrupt their lives, attack them verbally, maybe harass their families, arrange for a flash mob to hit them. All in the name of the love of God. A little uncomfortable, isn't it? We need cancel them. They're evil. Why? Because we love God. And we're going to cancel corrupt people. Do you, do you even understand that whole cancel culture thing? You know, it's when a, a person, usually it's like a celebrity or a politician, an athlete, somebody well-known, might be a business, a corporation, a school, even, even a church. They say something that's contrary to popular view, which changes all the time, by the way. Even if they said it by accident or misspoke, or maybe, maybe they were very intentional, they were dead wrong, out of anger, Society wants to cancel them. 
they may have 20 years of doing good. One moment, one misstep, one misstatement, cancel everything about them. Even if it was 40 years ago, it doesn't matter. I want you to think for a moment about Jesus, about the people that hurt him, mistreated him, horrible to him. I mean, I'll give you a short list. The Pharisees, Pontius Pilate, King Herod, Judas, even Peter. They all wronged Jesus, didn't they? In horrible ways, some of them. They betrayed him. They lied about him. They misjudged him. A lot of sin, right? Jesus didn't cancel them. I've been wrong before. So have you. And I am thankful for a God that didn't cancel me because of my sin. And in fact, I'm thankful for a God that cancels my sin and continues to forgive me and give me a new start. You know, Paul, he said it this way. He says, he canceled the records of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. God cancels your sin. He does not cancel you. Jesus Christ, the the Son of God, he came to, to seek and save the lost. He didn't come for the righteous. No, he came for sinners, Scripture says. Jesus came to to show everybody the love of God and the grace of God. Over and over and over, he pointed to them. And and here's what's really convicting to me. That, That thing that made Jesus angry was the thing that got in the way and separated people from having a loving relationship with God, from, from being, being pushed out of the temple. Friends, we live in a divided world, and the church needs to be united. And I want to be clear, we do not have to think alike. but we can still be united. It's true for the church abroad and globally. Don't have to be exactly alike. We can be a lot different, but we gotta be united. You know, Ephesians, the sixth chapter, it uh, says this, we're not fighting against humans. I guess that's the hard part to realize that. We're fighting against forces and authorities against rulers of darkness and powers in the spiritual world. Friends, when you, when you get angry, and you will from time to time, don't sin. As a follower of Jesus Christ, he, at some point you've got to grow beyond uh, being easily offended. I said if I was offended every time I could be offended, I would spend most of my life offended. I mean, I just would. 
Learn to not get angry on behalf of yourself. That's, that's a hard one, isn't it? And when, when you do get angry, let, let it be because you're stepping up to help somebody in need. You're, you, you feel like somebody's being mistreated or taken advantage of. Christ followers, our greatest call is to point people to God. Our witness is what matters most. You know, we're to love God with with all of our hearts, our minds, and our souls. We're to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Get angry. It's okay. But don't sin. And be like Jesus with that anger. We're to be known not for our anger, but for our love. Now I realize as I say all this, easier said than done, right? I've made some of you very uncomfortable this morning. Forgive me. But maybe we need to be uncomfortable. We're called to be God's voice in this world. And if we're not known for love, well, not sure we have a voice at that point. Something to think about. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, this whole anger thing, it's um, complicated. But God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just rattle us a little bit. God, there's some things that need to be dialed down. To, need to step back. God, there's not one of us here that uh, hasn't said or done something. That in hindsight, we look back and wish we hadn't. There's not one of us that's not allowed our anger to get the best of us. But God, today we pray that you'd help us get a handle on it. Lord, we would uh, be known, whether it's in the office or at school or in our neighborhoods, that when people speak, that they go, you know, Don't agree with everything they say, but man, they love people. God, help us to love those around us. Help us to be your voice. Help us to point people to you, to your son. God, forgive us when we don't. May we honor you with all we say and do. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. God's people said. Prayer teams down front. You need prayer this morning. Uh, they'd love to pray with you. Let, let's stand. Let's worship. Worship today.